present the news quiz with your host, Sandy Toxvig. Hello and welcome to the news quiz. We start with a cutting from the Dominion Post read by Corrie Caulfield. A New Zealand motel has banned an entire town from its premises. Local MP Trevor Mallard said the move was absolutely outrageous. It shows the sort of blind prejudice I thought we didn't have in New Zealand anymore. I'm not surprised the owner is Australian. (laughs) And our thanks to Dan Murray for sending that in. Now let's meet the teams. Will you welcome first on my right, Francis Ween and Jeremy Hardy. Opposite them on my left, Sue Perkins and Andy Hamilton. <laughs> Francis, who still smiles though his party's breaking? Poor Gordon Brown. Ah. I thought I'd feel sorry for him. He's, well, it's really not something we want to dwell on, is it? Well, if you could manage a minute or so. He stands out looking like Herman Munster on a bad day. <laughs> well, he ignored the first law of politics, which is don't pick fights you can't win. Specifically, don't pick fights with Joanna Lumley. Mm. Because um, she's armed and dangerous. And that, and that nice Hazel Bliers, she's only about four foot tall and she mm. beat up Gordon Brown. So he didn't stand a chance against Joanna. Uh, Hazel Bliers wrote a piece in The Observer saying his government was a lamentable failure and led by a man who made a fool of himself on YouTube, gurning idiot. Um, and um, <laughs> then she had to put out a statement saying, I'm very sorry, uh, some people seem to have misinterpreted this. It never occurred to me anyone could interpret my suggestion that Gordon Brown was the most blithering idiot ever to occupy 10 Downing Street as a criticism. <laughs> Did you see the picture of him in front of the swastika? <clears throat> which was slightly unfortunate. Yes, that was yeah. ill-conceived yeah. at yeah. best. Never stand in front of a swastika unless you're a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, there are PR issues you could avoid. <laughs> <laughs> the best bad thing to stand in front of mistake was made by William Hague who stood in front of a placard that was the first five letters of Countryside Alliance (laughs) with his head in front of the O. This whole leadership crisis, though, presents me with a bit of a dilemma because normally, ordinarily, I would never dream of being prejudiced against somebody on grounds of their height. No. But I am prepared to make an exception for Hazel Blears because <laughs> some small people brandish their smallness as a weapon mm. don't they? and they turn it into that horrible perky thing. And she's got that. She does that horrible little perky yeah. walk and she's got the perky hairstyle and her head bobs from side to side <laughs> like a sort of cocaine-addicted sparrow. <laughs> Andy, Andy, you're turning into nasty, chippy short blokes. I know. <laughs> I know. But you get... know you're right. You do true. want to ask her where the crock of gold has been hidden. Don't <laughs> <you>? <laughs> Alan, Johnson's, Alan Johnson's quite nice. I quite like him. But he said, he's quite candid, he said, I'm not sure I've got the qualities you need to be Prime Minister. And I thought, well, that hasn't stopped anyone else before, has it? So, <laughs> he hasn't been in Sainsbury's in Streatham for a while. Since I mentioned on the news quiz that he's always in there. I think he gets a cardo now. <laughs> no, I think they're not allowed two jobs. I think that's what it is. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. It's the middle of the end of the road for Gordon Brown, uh, with a backbench rebellion over the partial sell-off of the Royal Mail looming and a botched photo op in front of a swastika only slightly overshadowed by Prescott's gurning impersonation of his smile. Talk of a leadership challenge will not go away. Speculation is already mounting over whether Squirrel Nutkin, I'm sorry, Hazel Blears, <laughs> is or isn't too ginger to be next Prime Minister. <laughs> Two points to Francis. Jeremy, which nasty jock got a nasty shock? This is Michael Viner. 
known as Michael Savage. Rather strangely, Jackie Smith's department published a list of people who are banned from coming to Britain, none of whom seem to have asked if they can come at all. <laughs> They're just kind of examples yeah. of loathsome people. And, and most of them, are out there. I mean, you're looking at their CVs and you think, hmm, yes. <laughs> do they have to do CVs? <laughs> no, none of them are people you'd particularly want in your house. But on the other hand, most people in the country that here already who are British citizens are people that you really wouldn't want in your house. There are, <laughs> there are regulars on the moral maze who spew hate-filled garbage, you know. And the thing is, I mean, he said, Michael Viner said, I have never done anything to inspire violence. And that's not true, because I read a bit of one of his blogs and immediately wanted to stick a lightsaber where the sun don't shine. <laughs> um, he's like a sort of combination of Melanie Phillips, Richard Littlejohn and something non-specific in a skip. Um, <laughs> but then he's got far more attention by saying, you can't come here... He's got more attention than nobody even knew he was before. We know. But also, they may retaliate if we're going to ban American radio presenters from coming to this country. Well, they he's, might ban he's, Sue McGregor. He's, yes, apparently, she, Libby Purvis can't travel now. <laughs> but he's also said, I'm well, now I'm, I'm not going to buy British. He obviously hasn't seen what's happened to our manufacturing industries over the last year. Good luck trying to buy something British. We may... We've still got Melton Mowbray, come on, hold yeah. on to that. Instruments of torture and Kendall Mint cake, we still That's do. It. But also, there are only 16 people on this There's list. There's 101. 101. Yeah. The, the list yeah. includes the names of 101 uh, Dalmatians. <laughs> Uh, Muslim clerics, white supremacists and anti-gay campaigners. It's also apparently the mailing list for What Bomb magazine. <laughs> and the wording is that they've been excluded because of their unreasonable behaviour, which I quite like the Englishness of that. You know, we may be the home of football hooliganism and binge drinking, but we do have standards. Yes. <laughs> Uh, American shock jock Michael Savage is planning to sue the government for defamation after Jackie Smith placed him on a list of 101 extremists banned from entering the UK. The Home Secretary insisted she would not hesitate to name and shame those who foster extremist views. Do you know, I tried to foster an extremist view once, <laughs> but uh, social services said my house wasn't big enough. <laughs> Two points to Jeremy. Sue, who wants the government to pay for them going off the rails? Ah, yes, this is Britain's most lucrative rail operator, National Express. And this comes out of a sort of audit that was done by Lord Adonis. We love The him. life peer of love. <laughs> <laughs> I think Baron No Oil Painting would be yeah. a better name for <laughs> Mr Silversex, given you grey love, 24-1. Um, <laughs> Uh, there was a lot of uh, interest and, and hurrahing in the Lords because he went on a, a six-day rail tour, five and a half of those days, of course, by bus replacement service. <laughs> and he reported back uh, that the rail network is bereft of essential services, uh, like trains. That's the main <laughs> thing. But uh, the National Express thing is extraordinary. They, they... Well, I know they're a bus company. That's why they've made a mess of their wretched trains. <laughs> they're books, because they... we used to have a perfectly good train company in East Anglia called Anglia. <laughs> And then they lost their franchise to these idiots from National Express who called themselves One. And the first day they took over the franchise, they were standing at Ipswich Station, and whereas before it would say, the 7.40 Anglia train to London Liverpool Street will leave from Platform 2, they said, the 7.41 train... <laughs> and so everyone went scurrying into the cafe thinking there's time to get a latte and miss the train. By the way, I travel a lot because I live a long way away. And about a week ago, I was making my regular commute of 310 miles when the announcement went, I don't want to alarm anyone, <laughs> but a bit of a train's blown up. And, <laughs> and basically, there was steam coming out and we stopped. 
And we had to climb down onto some sidings. It was all quite exciting because the platform we couldn't get to the platform because of all the smoke blowing out. And there was this pensioner who, who'd obviously lived through the war and she was just being manhandled by her pants down onto these rough, <laughs> loose chippings, out of breath and close to a cardiac arrest, whereupon somebody said, Can I see your ticket, madam? <laughs> National Express is trying to persuade the government to let it off the £1.4 billion it owes and to pay the company to carry on running the trains. National Express recently made 750 people redundant. They weren't actually employees of National Express, just commuters permanently late for their jobs. (laughs) Two points to Sue. And at the end of uh, round one, the scores are Francis and Jeremy have got four points, but Sue and Andy are in the lead with five. And we start round two with a cutting from the Times newspaper. A Polish politician has criticised his local zoo for acquiring a gay elephant. We didn't pay 37 million zlotys for the largest elephant house in Europe to have a gay elephant live there, he said. (laughs) Has the man not seen Dumbo? (laughs) The whole film is about gay elephants. Also, if they've only built the house, imagine how nice he's going to do the interior. (laughs) Anyway, our thanks to Jonathan Harris for sending us that. Francis, what's had its arts and soul removed? Well, it's a very sad story. Um, Melvin Bragg yes. has been presenting the South Bank show for, well, forever. Yeah. I think the first one was an interview with George Bernard Shaw, so it was a while ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> incredible. He's still, he's still only 23. Um, <laughs> he's fallen victim to the collapse of ITV, ITV, which is going down the pan even faster than Gordon Brown. I think they're chasing each other down. But I did a thing at the Albury Documentary Festival this year, and Melvin was the star turn, and he was brilliant, and they showed that film he made with Francis Bacon years ago. When they're both drunk, When they both get drunker and drunker over lunch in a restaurant and they carry on interviewing, and Melvin thinks, this is great, we can't interrupt the interview for me to say, could I go outside and have a little lie-down in the gutter? And so they just carry on, and you can watch them um, getting drunker and drunker. But they should make more shows like that. I mean, think how many shows would now benefit from all the participants being pissed. Well, well, well but in the, in the good old days, the news used to be like that, when it was Reginald Bosenkay. Oh, and... <laughs> so by the time it got to the and finally yeah. story, absolutely 11 sheets to the wind. Just... Pete... Who, was the, who was the chap who blamed it on, on his... Um... Peter Woods. Peter Woods. And that was still... I still think that's the funniest moment on television I've ever seen, because he was struggling to read the autocue. He was so yeah. pissed. And they got to the unemployment figures. He said, unemployment figures for this month have reached 2,400... <laughs> 2,400,000... The unemployment figure is 2,400,000. It's awfully big. <laughs> After more than 30 years covering the arts, the South Bank show has been axed by ITV, the show aimed to mix high art with popular culture, much like I'm a Celebrity, but with high art. <laughs> ITV deny this represents a dumbing down of their cultural coverage and have already announced that the show will be replaced in the autumn by the South Bonk show. (laughs) Two points to Francis. Uh, Jeremy, whose Uh, plans for a model parliament have caused a split? Um... Modell? Oh, oh, okay. Modells? Silvio Berlusconi. Who, uh, you know, when the cabinet gets round the table, some of them dance on it. (laughs) uh, I love the idea that there are still showgirls. I haven't seen a showgirl since Destry Rides Again was last on television. You've not looked carefully enough at Perkins and myself. uh, (laughs) There are things I can do with a tassel of a late night that would surprise you. (laughs) 
would have thought that a man who has fascists in his government and has brought in laws to make it illegal to investigate his corrupt business deals, who would have thought a man would stoop so low as to have women of ill repute in his cabinet? But his long-suffering wife has finally snapped and... Uh, she was appalled because he'd been to the party of this 18-year-old and she said that he was, it depends how you translate it, consorting or mixing with minors, which suggests that he's doing to Italian minors what Thatcher did to British minors 25 years ago. <laughs> Strange thing is he says it's all a media conspiracy. Well, he owns the media. <laughs> we hardly ever get any attractive politicians. Surely, if this is the way of the future, this is the way for Gina Lumley into politics now, isn't it? She'd get voted in straight away now, do you not think? What I loved about that whole story was um, she has a certain effect on men of a certain age, Joanna Lumley. If you watched that parliamentary committee, they were just spellbound. And I thought it's completely understandable that she came out of that conversation. She said she, said she went to see Gordon Brown and he, he promised her you know, a definite plan by the end of May... Um, and number 10 said, well, no, that's not Gordon Brown's recollection of the conversation. Gordon Brown wouldn't have heard a word no. she was saying. <laughs> he was just sitting there thinking, I'm with Purdy. <laughs> Speaking on. of uh, beautiful women, have you seen that thousands of Carla Bruni... Was it Bruni or Bruni? Mm-hmm. CDs are to be given away. Yeah, to promote French trade. Yeah, uh, and I, I think they're terrific. I, I've got one. It makes an excellent coaster. It's a... <laughs> Do you not think we should have CDs by the spouses of all politicians? <laughs> Sarah Brown sings Led Zeppelin. I don't know. Is that... <laughs> I would buy that, yeah, for right, sure. Yeah. I've still got Audrey Callaghan's Best Of album. <laughs> uh, Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi is threatening to sue his wife, Veronica Lario, because she wants to divorce him for consorting with young women. Berlusconi is also in trouble with the Catholic Church, who attacked him for mixing politics and show business. That is quite rich. Uh, <laughs> seen some of the Pope's stage costumes. He makes Elton John look like Harriet Harman. <laughs> Two points to Jeremy. Sue, why has a prince been kissing up to a frog? Oh, very dear. This is Prince Charles's YouTube address. Mm. I don't know how many people have seen it. Um, to be polite, it's ill-conceived. Uh, at its worst, it's something far more heinous. It's, it's a sort of before and after fairy tale scenario, Prince and Frog, uh, but nothing beautiful comes out of it at all. Um, and it's about, and it tries to be sort of down with the kids, but they just, just think, oh, there's that decrepit old man with dust in his hair who makes biscuits that we can't afford. Um, they are trying to be trendy, aren't they? I mean, we had, what we have? last week the Queen sent yeah. her first email, and yeah. this week Charles is on MySpace, and next week I think Philip... He's selling corgis on eBay. I think there's... <laughs> but it's hard. I feel bad criticising him because it's a terrible video and I, it, it really is embarrassing and, he's, and, and I think everyone feels a bit awkward doing it, but it is for a very, very good cause. I no, just... And also, he's, try, he's trying to be trendy. I'm sure up until then, MySpace for him was Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it's aimed at kids on MySpace, which is a perfectly rational thing to do, then don't have Robin Williams... Harrison Ford, oh, you know, there were, there were no sort of... There were nobody that the kids would really identify with. They were all Kermit. Sort of, was Kermit in it? I love Kermit. Yeah, but Kermit, Kermit hasn't been on the telly for years. Yes. Kermit's in Last of the Summer Wine. Yeah. <laughs> I 
did you know, I've only been kissed twice on screen and once was by Kermit, and it was, I have to say, one of the most exciting experiences of my life. And, <laughs> and it, it is honestly a man with the frog on his head, and he's, he's sitting below the frog and he's doing this, and you forget. So where did he really kiss you? <laughs> Charles released. <laughs> Who was Prince, the other one, Sandy? Mike McShane. <laughs> right. Mike McShane and I did a television series together in which he had to kiss me, and he knew I was very nervous, and it was a proper sort of romantic kiss. And, uh, and he knew I was really anxious, and I only wanted to do it once because I didn't want it to look dreadful. And he was very sweet, and he, and he turned to me, and he kissed me, and as he kissed me, he passed me an anchovy with his tongue. <laughs> So there you are, guys, a little tip. <laughs> Prince Charles released a video on MySpace as part of a campaign to save the rainforest. The rainforest, of course, performed vital services, such as providing clean drinking water and keeping Sting away from the recording studio. <laughs> two points to Sue. <laughs> At the end of round two, the scores are Francis and Jeremy have got eight points, but Sue and Andy are in the lead with ten. we start the final round, here is a serving suggestion from a can of tuna. Savour the succulent taste of delicious steaks in spring water. They taste so good that you may prefer to try them without dressing. <laughs> and our thanks to Peter Levicus for sending us that. Jeremy, who thinks children on buses should be taught a lesson? This is a, a strange... Help. People are very down on health and safety. There's another one about a campsite that's banned washing lines, which is brilliant. They banned washing lines because you could walk into one and get a nasty brush with some wet pants <laughs> or a very soft gouge from a clothes peg. And um, but they've seen the bit in The Great Escape with the washing line and the Germans, so they thought, ooh, that could happen. There's a DVD, I think, that's been released and sent out to schools showing children how to use buses because of the serious problem of bus misuse among the young. <laughs> Children are sort of smoking them and injecting them and things like that. But seemingly, there's a whole generation of kids who don't know how to use a bus. And you think, even if you've never been on a bus, surely when it pulls up, you could kind of figure out that there's a hole in the side and that's where you go in. <laughs> and the sort of horizontal bits that are around arse height of seats. Um, but it's assuming there's a whole DVD that's been released. It's on a 90-minute lesson. 90 minutes? Oh, can you imagine? If you thought double geography was tedious. <laughs> Does the DVD go, the wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> round and round, round and round. The wheels on the bus go round and round all day long. <laughs> Do they teach you all the streetwise stuff that you might need on buses? You know? What, like how to attach chewing gum to seats? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If your bus is crowded, make sure you get near the door for when it reaches your stop. Otherwise, it will be trapped, saying, no, please, wait, when the bus drives off. I've had a cold all week. It's been great. I've had buses to myself. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the behaviour czar, though, is it, who's doing this? This is Hertfordshire, Hertfordshire County Council. Do you see, there's a man who's taken up his job this week. The government has appointed him as the behaviour czar. Mm. To make children behave better. He, yes, right. He wants. He's it's called Wackford Squares, rather. Than <laughs> <one>. <laughs> no, really? No, not I really. Something very like it. Um, and he's, uh, he gave an interview saying what they need is a, a right royal rollicking that'll sort them out. Right. He well, he like. can talk to a group of about twenty eleven-year-olds high on sunny delight <laughs> and the shame of Chelsea's recent defeat at the hands of Barcelona, and see if a good rollicking will sort them out. <laughs> 
Hertfordshire County Council is spending £5,000 on a scheme to teach school children how to catch a bus. The council decided to fund the scheme after health and safety regulations prevented them from burning the money. <laughs> Schools expect to cut a maths class to fit the lesson in, so a child will be able to hail a bus, although they have no idea what number it is. <laughs> Two points to Jeremy. Sue, why could flying no frills soon involve more hitches than normal? This is the story of a low-cost airline, EasyJet, deciding to put in for permission to let people get married on board. And the pilots would officiate at the ceremony, mm. despite the fact I suspect they should be flying the plane. I mean, that's sort of where I'd want them. In the cockpit, hands notionally around some kind of joystick slash steering wheel. You can, uh, you know, there they say, oh, join the Mile High Club and then make an honest woman offer. But there, there are many problems. For a start, you... Surely the whole point of getting married is that you have all your family and friends there and then at the end of it, you get to then go away on holiday. But the point is, if you get married mid-flight, all those people are coming to Falaraki with you. <laughs> Nana's there, great-uncle John's there, they're all going to stay with you for two weeks. Plus, all your wedding photographs are going to have the word easy over the top in <laughs> garish orange lettering. But there isn't even reserved seating. The bride no. and groom might not be sitting together. <laughs> I didn't know EasyJet had pilots. I just thought they had batteries. <laughs> Can you imagine someone saying, is there any reason why these two shouldn't be joined? You're not going to put your hand up because you are going to be stuck there for another three hours going, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> she, you'd have to cut the cake with a shoe, wouldn't you? <clears throat> you know, yeah, um, no sharp No things. knives. <laughs> EasyJet are currently seeking permission to conduct on-board weddings from Luton Borough Council. And what young girl hasn't dreamt of a wedding involving EasyJet and Luton Borough Council? <laughs> <laughs> Two points to Susan. Andy, which ancient race was won by the flat of foot? Hobbits. 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 Mm. Have I missed the story here? <laughs> hobbits have been discovered. They what have. real hobbits have been well, discovered. Well, I, I don't know if they're, they're, they're real. They're, they're skinny, diminutive creatures with fallen arches and stunted brains. We call them wags, but they're... Um... <laughs> they're, they're it's, a, it's another species of, 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 of homo. And the flat feet well, are an indicator that they are related to us or they're not related? Well, it's, it says here that um, they've got oversized feet without arches and Professor Harcourt Smith uh, mm. declared that arches are the hallmark of a modern foot, whereas I thought the hallmark of a modern foot was that it dangled off the end of an obese child. But there we are. That's not true, though. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone's got fallen arches. Has he? How do you know that? Because he once sued me for libel over it. Really? What? Years ago. At you the time of the first Gulf War in That's a really specific insult I wrote, I just, uh, I wrote You've a little thing about arches. all these American film stars who were refusing to come to the Cannes Film Festival yeah. in the January 91 because they thought it was somewhere near Baghdad and they were worried that they might be affected by the Gulf War. Um, and, I, and I just thought it was particularly wonderful that Stallone, you know, Rambo, was too timid to make it all the way to Cannes. And so I just wrote this little thing saying, you might call this the Stallone syndrome in honour of uh, the hero of Rambo who sat out the Vietnam War teaching at a girls' finishing school in Switzerland, which he did, and uh, he sued. Did and he mean? said, I really wanted to fight in the Vietnam War, but I failed the medical because of my fallen arches. <laughs> uh, and I, I, on the Freedom of Information Act, I got his medical records, and indeed it did say... Uh, he has fallen arches and unsuitable for frontline combat, but can work perfectly well behind the lines. 
So you're saying that Sylvester Stallone is a primordial yeah. <laughs> hobbit. Throwback. Yeah, because you could now yeah. be in quite dangerous territory. Yeah, Did yeah. you know that you can have, this is absolutely true, you can have your arse read by Sylvester Stallone's oh, yeah. mother? <laughs> it's called something like rumpology. Yeah. And, oh, and yeah. you send her a picture of your arse and she writes back and says... Your career's behind I... you. I don't know what she writes back and says. She, she reads it and she goes, You will find your grandma's earrings behind the headboard. And love's coming your way. That watch you've mislaid. Reach around, you'll find it. <laughs> Scientists have deduced that the, uh, these uh, 12,000 year they found one 12,000 year old skeleton nicknamed it the Hobbit, cannot be our distant ancestors because their feet are proportionately much, much larger than ours. It does, however, explain where clowns come from. <laughs> so, is it going to turn out that all fictional and fantasy characters are actually true? Orcs have been found in Croydon. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, there are flightless birds in the Antarctic that are quite like Pingu. <laughs> Before we reveal the final scores, let's hear the cuttings the teams have brought along, Mr Ween. This is from the Daily Telegraph. A businessman who set up a 30-foot dung-firing catapult on his land to deter intruders has been burgled after police warned him that it would be illegal for him to use the weapon. The catapult, based on a Roman boulder-throwing ballista, was originally built for a series of unsuccessful attempts to fire his wife, Mary, across the River Avon in 1956. <laughs> I think there's other ways to tell somebody it's over, aren't there? It's the word unsuccessful. What happened? You have to know. Did she get Do you want to know? I'll tell you. (laughs) He gave up after one attempt in which she made it to the opposite bank, only to be bounced back into the river by a safety net. (laughs) What kind of safety net is that? Well, that's good. That's how you keep a marriage alive. (laughs) A human trampette. (laughs) Oh, I've been out with a few of those. Now... Jeremy. Um, this was sent in by Diana Payne of Marlborough in Wiltshire, and it's from the Free Cycle uh, website. And it says, Hi, on offer I have basic bouncer chair, lemon with poo picture on it, cream changing mat with poo design. <laughs> Perkins. Uh, this is from David and Loretta Marigold. They were in the CAF, the Welcome Collection, and they looked at the menu and were delighted to see on the menu the Aberdeen Anus Beef Burger. <laughs> <laughs> Mr Hamilton. A shopper went to a supermarket to stock up on picnic equipment and was asked for proof of age to buy a set of teaspoons. The shop assistant at Asda reportedly informed the customer that someone had once been murdered with a teaspoon (laughs) and therefore age identification was required. (laughs) The woman had also bought plates and picnic wear at the branch, but that did not appear to reassure the shop assistant. Let's take a look at the final score. Francis and Jeremy have got 12 points, but this week's winners are Sue and Andy with 13. you here is an event not to miss at the Hay Festival. Who's to blame? The BBC business editor Robert Peston fingers the greedy, the incompetent and the naive who've led us into economic disaster. (laughs) Venue, Barclays Wealth Pavilion. (laughs) And with that, goodbye.
taking part in the news quiz were Francis Ween, Jeremy Hardy, Sue Perkins and Andy Hamilton. In the chair was Sandy Toxvig and the news was read by me, Corey Caulfield. The chair's script was written by Simon Littlefield, Roderick Hooks, Lucy Clark and Gareth Gwynn. The producer was Victoria Lloyd.